global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all higher today with the S&P up four, a gain there of two-tenths of one percent. Fed Chair Janet Yellen signaled continued stimulus as the U.S. economy sustains a steady pace of growth. The Dow at a record up 20 points to 21,553, up one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ up 13, a gain there of two-tenths of one percent. The tenure down 837. Seconds, the yield 2.35%. Gold down $2 the ounce to 12.17, down two tenths of 1%. And West Texas Intermediate Crude up 59 cents a barrel to 46.08, a gain there of 1.3%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is your Bloomberg Real Estate Report. I'm Denise Pellegrini. 84% of Americans now say they believe purchasing a home is a good financial decision. That's the highest since 2007, according to the National Association of Realtors. But Wendy Penn, manager of the Housing Opportunity Program at the association, says affordability is getting in the way, especially for some people. We did find that those who were unmarried and the percentage of the population that were non-white did find it a little more troubling in terms of their ability to purchase a home or a little less optimistic about their ability to purchase a home. And so those who were white or college educated and married seem to have a more of a positive outlook in terms of housing affordability or their ability to purchase a home. Overall nationwide, housing affordability ranked fourth in the top five issues Americans are worried about after affordable health care, low wages and debt, and heroin and opioid abuse. Eight in ten surveyed say the main advantage in owning a home is the opportunity to build equity. And that's your Bloomberg Real Estate Report. I'm Denise Pellegrini. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. Yes, indeed. Corey Johnson here in our AM 960 studios. Jana Lawrence with me right now, the Bloomberg News higher education reporter in our D.C. In our, in our D.C. No, in New York City. Look at you right there in our New York City uh, uh, bureau uh, as well. And we're joined by Margaret Chen. She's the head of capital management at Cambridge Associates. And, Janet, uh, uh, the, the world of endowments uh, is changing quite a bit in terms of how they're investing, yes? Uh, well, we're, we're hearing, uh, the year end returns are, are pretty good. Uh, we won't hear official numbers until probably September, but, uh, hoping we can hear some insight from Margaret. Yeah, so great to hear you. Great to uh, talk to you, to Cora and Janet. Um, you know, endowments have posted surprisingly strong fiscal year 17 returns. If we were sitting here a year ago, we would all be like, wow, <laughs> eye-popping. Um, so it's been a really good fiscal year for what we call risk assets. Um, especially the public equity indices. And, you, you know, today, you, you know, you just heard on Bloomberg Radio, it was just the same. Um, you know, we're looking at 20-plus percent returns for emerging market equities wow. for, the, for the fiscal year and also for non-U.S. developed equities, almost um, over 20 percent and 18 percent for S&P, just for the fiscal year 17. So, you know, you compare that to um, fiscal year 16, when the Cambridge endowment mean was down around 2.5%, so negative 2.5%, you know, we would expect the typical endowment was likely going to be double-digit returns for fiscal year 17. So a real role reversal, and, um, you know, the the drivers are public equities. I mean, they're a significant portion of portfolios. 
uh, for most endowed institutions. So consequently, you know, the performance of global equity markets are really a key indicator of which direction the endowment returns are trending. What about those changes I alluded to, which is sort of the move away from hedge funds and and uh, uh, and, and sort of finding different ways to invest? Has that had some? What kind of effect has that had on the returns for these uh, these endowments? Well, I mean, it likely would would help because folks, you know, if there's a shift from hedge funds, it's largely going to public equities because that's what's done well um, in the last, you know, a couple of fiscal years. So that's the good news. Um, but I, we would caution, you know, throw caution in the wind because it's been a great ride for the last five fiscal years in U.S. equities in particular and a pretty good ride for non-U.S. equities. You know, today I think the, the dilemma is that um, – Stocks may be overvalued. Uh, you know, it's been a really a tremendous um, run-up, uh, but investors are also afraid of missing out on the return. So it's what I would call the investment committee, committee version of, like, career risk, be, uh, the fear of being wrong when, you know, there's a cheaper, easier option of um, index investing. So it's, it's challenging. But long-term investing, if you look forward, that's the key. And, you know, it would be a mistake not to think about portfolio risk. So uh, I don't think, and, you know, it would be prudent to stop asking the what-if questions. Um, you know, the market could easily decline. And if it does, you know, what does that do to the institution? So those are the conversations we're having um, with our clients. It's not about whether stocks are being over are overvalued per se, but whether the conditions are such that this equity run can continue. So are they buying in index funds? Are they buying um, direct holdings in stocks or hedging? <laughs> you know, I would say this is a this is a time where um, it's a bit of a instead of everyone going in the same direction, um, every institution is is really looking at um, its own situation. So there are those that are saying, you know what, we're happy to take the risk. We're going to take the equity risk, and we don't want to be left behind. Um, and you know, that's that's a risk we're willing to take. There are others who um, really have been uh, investors for a very long time and are staying the course with Cambridge, and they're staying the course in having a diversified portfolio. They understand sort of their time horizon is longer, um, and they've taken a long, they're learned to take a long view. Um, if you generally want to outperform. Um, a benchmark or an index. You have to be different. So there is this confluence of events going on um, because in, investors uh, implicitly have bought into a what it feels like a permanent bull market, especially if you look at the last five fiscal years, uh, because market volatility has been so long, been so low. And you know, you, you know, you talked about the Fed today. Um, you know, very supportive of, of future stimulus. Um, central banks coordinated. You know, pretty much it looks like around the world. So and you know, it's hard to predict the market. So. But folks forget, just a year ago, you know, fiscal year 16, non-U.S. developed equities and emerging market equities were down 10%. And so, you know, it clearly wasn't the right place to be, but it wasn't a mistake to be invested because you got handsomely paid in in fiscal year 17. So Um, it's a bit of, yeah, it's a bit of a I hear you, but I don't believe you situation. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, I'm also interested in sort of how uh, the, the liquidity or the access to liquidity is for um, endowments these days. I mean, you know, of course, they all want instant liquidity, but and the hedge funds want them locked up for a year plus or at least longer durations. What is liquidity typically like for for these big endowments? 
Yeah, they're they're typically pretty good. I mean, in the sense that um, pretty good know, from you, which side? Well, no, pretty good for the hedge fund or pretty good for the investors? <laughs> well, no, typically in the sense that if you have you know private investments, they are locked up, um, and you you know that's that's not money you can access. But in the rest of the portfolio, you either have a fairly immediate liquidity because they're publicly traded, or you have you know if you have hedge funds, for example, you know they may be in a lockup period initially, but you know over time, um, all those um, they that quarterly, annually, you know, semi-annually liquidity, and that's very um, planned. You can predict those kinds of things, and they tend, to, you know, if you look at the whole portfolio, you certainly um, would, you know, design a portfolio where you had sufficient liquidity to meet your near-term spending needs, and that's really the key for long-term survival and excellent returns. We talked um, uh, the previous time you were here about reducing fees for hedge funds. Um, how's that effort going? Are you still uh, getting some more discounts? Uh, yes, uh, that has been ongoing, and it's been um, really, I think that's been a real um, asset to our clients, but also, generally speaking, the industry, because uh, I think there's, given the outperformance of public equities um, to the hedge fund industry, I think there's been of a, a wake-up call for everyone to say, you know what, if you're going to pay f- the extra premium fees, you should get paid for that. Now, hedge funds have done much better um, this fiscal year than previous fiscal years. So, uh, you know, in terms of earning your keep, um, you know, having a return for most that are sort of between equity and fixed income returns, but on a risk-adjusted basis, pretty, you know, a pretty good return. I think there are those that stuck with it are very happy they did. So, Well, uh, certainly interesting times, and those returns are great, and those returns are great for those institutions as well, I'm sure. Uh, great stuff. Margaret Chen, uh, thank you very much. The head of uh, capital management at Cambridge and Associates. And Janet Lawrence, thank you as well. Janet Lawrence, our Bloomberg News higher education reporter, who is with us from New York. You've been listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Corey Johnson uh, at Corey TV on Twitter, where I will remain. But right now I'm done with the radio. For now, we'll be back with lots more tomorrow. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg.